Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Echoes in the Void Thinking in Public podcast. We hope you enjoy. Discord or in whatever social media, and you say something or you, you reference something in such a way that you suddenly realize, or they reference something in, sudden, in, in a way that makes you realize, oh, we, we occupy different corners of the internet, don't we? Like, like culture shock, but on a person-to-person basis. Like, oh, we're such different people that, like, my jokes aren't going to connect with you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I meme around too much. Yeah, like, have you have you met people like that? Because that, that happened to me when I put that up there, which is, I think, beginning of the month. I had something like that happen. I was like, oh, oh, you didn't understand the concept of reach around. Like, fuck. <laughs> like, what kind of... I'm going to have to calm down on my jokes then. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, no, like, there's a lot of different, a lot of different groups kind of scattered off, scattered around. There's, like, several different little corners, I'd say. Yeah. It's just, like, or or, or it's, um, in high school, that one person you had that, you know, was super pure and didn't know anything or whatever, um, you know, innuendos sexually or whatever. Just they were just super innocent, yeah, super oblivious or innocent or whatever. And you're just like, oh, oh, yeah, that's not gonna. We could be cool, but we can't joke around because you're not gonna understand half of anything I say. It's gonna be lost on you. It just depends on how, like that was all of us at one point though. So yeah. Like, are are you willing to be the mentor of this <laughs> provider? That's fair. Most of the time, I'm like. Whatever lingo you're trying to describe. Yeah. Most of the time it's like, nah, just because it's, you know, it's a one-off conversation or one-off thing. Like, uh-uh. I'm not, I'm not taking this burden on for somebody I'm not meeting again. Like, someone who doesn't even know what Reddit is? is like, oh, no, yeah. That's, like, some of these larger kind of, like, hubs of communication, you know, kind of develop their own subcultures. Uh, they, they can become pretty strong without, like, other people being privy to them at all. Yeah. Like, I can think of, like, generational gaps that, like, keep different populations separate from each other. But as far as examples of the internet, like, of different corners, I'm having a hard time. Like, Like 4chan? Yeah, like the hacker known as 4chan. Twitch in general? Like, Twitch has kind of, like, developed its own communication. Like, how one communicates... With when the window is just a str- scroll, like a continuous scrolling of text, is like really created in different language. It's it's, it's crazy. No, I mean now that you bring up 4chan, I mean the site that must not be named. <laughs> um, that, I uh, thought 4chan was pretty. 4chan, calm. yeah, 4chan's calm compared <laughs> it, to like it other is, chans. It is now. <laughs> but you're right there there's a huge there's a huge difference between people who are on the internet that go on 4chan and people who are only like perusing their facebook and perusing yahoo news yeah (laughs) like google questions (laughs) i uh i it you're, you're 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 right there's a huge uh difference between the behaviors of like forums um you know like from the from the old reaches of the internet um, to people who are only on you know the apps on their phone um, that's a huge difference that I can think of you know yeah yeah they, they I don't know yeah people existing in this giant sphere of knowledge but only occupying their tiny personal little realm you're you're right like now that I think about it 
spending time on farms and stuff, it it really gives you a, a sense of what what the internet has to offer in terms of interactions on good and bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you uh, if you spend enough time on there, you kind of learn to look of it as just like a new kind of language. Like that's how they say. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. On this website. Oh, I don't like that. You know, I mean, I, I could give examples, but like we literally could not say what they say on those forums because it would be instantly demonetized. <laughs> well, uh, like, for, like, okay, so for, here's an example like Imgur or Imager, if you know, if you're uncultured, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, they um like banana for scale means like how big is that thing and you have to have a banana in the picture to show how big the thing is um and reddit has you know give that man upvotes or give that man updutes you know the, the, i like that upvote whatever stuff like that mm. those are those are examples thus memes are born exactly thus memes. like sauce sauce yeah that saucy sauce um um and i think that if you don't, if you don't have any experience in that, if you just kind of come in and you just look at it, you're like, "What the hell is going on in this room?" Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So what we're describing, I think, isn't only like specific to the internet. I think the internet is just like is a like a like speeds it up. So like people that have similar interests that meet in even in the physical world, kind of, you know start to understand a subculture and they start to just assume that other people that they're interacting with have the context that they have to kind of make more deeper references um, in their conversation. Totally. There are people who are meeting in bars and going out to dates and having, you know, going to movies and dinners and then you have people who are having orgies on the corner down the street. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> there are definitely different... Those activities aren't mutually exclusive. Also true. The, I, I, they could be one and the true. same thing. But, but my point is, is that there are different corners of of how little populations of of culture even though like we're in this you know one country you know they're little pockets of yeah and i guess i I guess for culture for me the the more shocking aspect of it is is not you're right because that in that like yeah you can have the the couple that you know never does anything wrong they, they can't even fathom that an orgy is happening two houses down from them but it happens there every saturday uh, <laughs> and, they serve orders yeah exactly exactly there's refreshments and shit like um but it's for me it's more shocking that on the internet like people can exist on the internet without like checking it out without looking around without you know i don't know i'm not saying they have to you have to go to like the darkest corners of the internet but it's like learning some of the like the internet's bullshit, essentially. Yeah, if you're curious, you'll run into yeah, it. Yeah, but like I don't know. It's just for me. It's just how can some people exist on the internet in such a way that they don't interact with any of that other stuff? They they strictly like. And I, and I know they exist. You know, they go on there. They get on their email, Twitter. Um, maybe they watch a YouTube video or two, and that's it. That's the extent of their internet. A lot of refresh and, and i'm not talking same. and i'm not even talking i'm going to exclude old people from this too again just for sake of making it easy 
on conversation just because yeah you could you could easily default oh well yeah there's a lot of old people who don't you know use internet well, yeah well i i would make a guess and say that the number of people not involved in the internet are is a receding number oh yeah and then i would also i would say a lot of people are occupy space on the internet that you don't and like they you guys could both have the same problem with each other like they occupy a different corner and you occupy a different corner and some of the references are like not not translatable right away without like extensive context yeah no, no, no. and I, I get what you mean when you're when you get a little more specific with it i'm kind of, i'm speaking more like just broad just how can people have this wealth of information at their fingertips and never like inquire about it they don't get curious like well what is there to go see what's this what's that you know holy shit urban dictionary is a thing oh my goodness what is that like i get it you know if you gotta learn it the, at a first at a you gotta learn at some point but some people have been on the internet for so long, like, you should have learned about that. Remember in high school you uh, came upon that website, Stumble On? Oh, Stumble Upon? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Stumble yeah. Upon. I stumbled on it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, re- I remember that being a really, really cool website. And do you still ever use that? Uh, I don't use it anymore, nah. No. There's video games. Yeah, now. it's all video games. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Victor? In terms of internet quarters. Oh, that's pretty much it. You know, people can occupy the internet without, like, occupying it, essentially. Without being there. They're, they're ghosts. And yet, and, and that's not that's not counting data collection and all that jazz. That's, you know, by all means, they're there. But in terms of what they do on the internet or how they use it, it's almost non-existent. If they're using social media, is that, like, how's that, is that... It's like a, a really large step in your book, or are you just assuming most of the uneducated people are just using social media and not really like progressing? No, I'll call I'll call use. Um, I mean, okay, if you're going on social media for no other purpose than just to look at stuff, you know, posting pictures and I can almost meet you halfway at there, right there. But like, yeah, posting anything, like, boom, you you've done it. You're you're exploring the internet. You're using the internet. Yes. <laughs> Use our advertisement devices. Yeah, like, I, I get that it's like, <laughs> a, yeah, it's, it's not a very high bar, but, like, there are people who just don't it's do any of that. They don't, they don't do fuck all. Really? I don't see those people that are under the age of, like, 60. Yeah, then that's, yeah, but they're there, and it's just... I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I've also been kind of living in cities. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of one of those things that shocks me. They need to get hit, get hit with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Get hip with it. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you, did you hip with it? I mean, anytime you you have a significant experience and you gain some perspective, it's like when you see someone who doesn't have it, you kind of feel kind of bad. You're like, oh, but there's all this cool stuff. You almost want to give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like. like it's like, can you imagine if you met someone who'd never played a video game before, or someone who's never watched an anime, or someone who's imagine a person who's never had sex, and they leave live their whole life and they die. Can you imagine never having the sexual experience as a human? Yikes! Could you imagine never having the psychedelic experience as a human? I mean, like. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, it, like, that's, that those is, are some very yeah. essential things. Yeah, um, but the thing is, it's like you have to like choose to do those sorts of things, you know. 
Yeah, no, this is true. You have to, especially the psychedelic one, and especially if you live in a time or world or area where all of that is condemned, you know, to varying degrees, but like, there's not too many places where it's acceptable, unfortunately. So, just kind of jumping, why did you talk about the idea of rituals? Mm hmm. And, uh, what they offer. I guess here's my, my my claim is that like they set the tone for you for especially when you don't realize that the tone the undertone that you have set is still present. Even though like you don't aren't cognizant of it, it's still there. So uh but the example I, I like to think of it like this people are always acting out things that they don't understand i think if people understood exactly uh what it is they did and why it is they did then we wouldn't struggle like with uh, doing the things that we say we want to do and not doing the things that we say we don't want to do and we act out these things that we don't understand and because we don't understand them that's why self-reflection can be enlightening. So the example I like to think of is that uh, there's two examples. You know, you're, there's a point when you like come into uh, like consciousness. Does that the like when you're like a very small child? Mm -hmm. You have like what's like what would you say is the average uh, age of like. Like consciousness, like three, four, two, three. I don't know. I just, I imagine it just creeps up. It's like a. Yeah, I think it creeps in and increases over time. But who knows when it? Who knows when it starts? But like. But, but my point is, is that there's a point in time where you're not conscious, and then you become conscious. But when you're during that unconscious portion of your existence, there are many developmental things that are going on and many things many pressures and many uh stimulus stimuli that you've been like subjected to and you're as a person you you have all that like internalized and you're processing it and it's in you now and then all of a sudden you're conscious <laughs> and you have all this wealth of information that you've just like all of a sudden have now and then you continue from there. So, like, you start from a, a, a point of acting out things that you don't really understand, you know? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, like, when you have children just imitating, like, what their parents do or say with, like, no, not understanding or no context of what, what they're saying. You have a child say, fuck, and parents are like, oh, my goodness. Where'd you learn that? It's like, well, I heard it from you guys. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with... Uh... Or I, I guess I just might think about it different about like how the consciousness like arises. I, I I don't necessarily. I mean I have no idea, but I don't see it as like a dump of like it's a it just it comes out of nowhere. I think it's more of like there is some sort of consciousness interacting with the environment, like even like in the womb, uh, and then like it's kind of just like a it's like a building of like I I would just assume that DNA is is playing some sort of role in having the organism respond in certain ways and that like once its environment like becomes grander and like as eyes develop and it's more of like a, a like a small 
like a small garden hose spigot that just like starts really small and like eventually just like like very slowly over years like widens. So so that was my second example was the developmental stage of during the womb. You are this this organism that has an increasing amount of sensory um, organs developing and you have and you're over time you have an increased accessibility to more uh, sensory uh, data does that make sense but do it this whole time it's in development it's not at the point of uh, conscious of thinking would you think, would you agree I, I, there's a I, I there's think a diff- that's a label that we that we set I think you're setting a correct I, I, I a label on something that doesn't really actually exist well uh, I think we there a is point in this I, I mean I think we can totally agree that like subconsciousness and consciousness exists like those are two very distinguishable ex- things that we can say exist right yeah so like that's that's just what I'm attempting to kind of do further like there is during the womb there is a type of consciousness that is um continuously uh intaking information and stimuli um at the same time um i mean i'm not a neurosurgeon so i don't know how much storage in the brain goes but i do know that it is interacting with you know uh I don't know how much ep- epidemiology like goes or epigenetics, excuse me, <clears throat> goes on in the womb and how how many uh, how many stressors actually trigger genes in the womb. I don't know how much of that actually goes on. Um, but my point is that like you're a thing that experiences lots of lots of stimuli in the womb and then you become you, your consciousness changes. There's a change to your consciousness. Uh, maybe not to the... Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a like, significant... Like you're saying it's starting with subconscious only, and at some point there is a uh, actual... I'm saying that like when you get to the point of consciousness, there has been some deeper gurgling and burbling of interpretation of the world around you and what that means to you as an organism like that's been going on and churning from when you're in the womb and from when you're born until you are conscious like there's a lot of processed information already then you know what I'm saying okay does that make sense uh, yeah I think so you should tie us back into um, rituals. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the idea is that when things happen to us, when when exposed to stimuli, the effects uh, continue for a while to from a point of unknown and continue to a point of conscious, even into our consciousness, and we act out things we don't understand constantly from from birth does does that does that part make sense yeah like it's kind of like how we live our lives we try to like we try to like sway our lives with logic but like ultimately we are like feeling things so what 
uh, what a ritual kind of attempts to do is to hijack the unknown uh, pressures and stimuli that have happened. So let's say in the morning you choose to subject yourself to a type of stimuli that is meditative. When you leave that meditative state and you go on and you're gone about your day and whatnot, that 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 mindfulness that you participated early on continues in a sort of way. It's it's, it's as if everything that ever happens kind of continues on forward even though we aren't cognizant of it so the other here's another example that makes that that is an example of what i just said people are exposed to sort of traumas and then in an attempt to not feel that trauma that traumatic pain whatever whatever however uh whatever emotion is triggered because of that trauma and in, a, in an attempt to not feel that people try to numb themselves um, but there are times where people numb themselves for so long they don't remember what it is they're numbing themselves from and then they attempt to try and feel anything but even though these people maybe are numb and trying not to feel anything when things come up typically it's the same repressed feeling that comes up and they may not be aware that that's there they're acting out these things that they don't that they're either actively trying to repress or that they've unconsciously repressed or that they've forgotten that are still present with them they're not complete with that they haven't put that in order in themselves and it like rises up out of them does yeah. does that make sense like that's a, yeah. that's kind of an example of people acting out something they don't understand that that sounds like a tough mental war yeah that makes sense so, or like um, just for the, the low hanging fruit on that analogy alcoholism you know you 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 end up you start drinking because you like you know because you don't want to feel the pain of, of whatever tragedy loss a thing and you keep drinking, keep drinking, um, and eventually you become numb, essentially, to that that drunk feeling that it used to provide away from the pain. And then you start getting, you see people who are who are alcoholics getting really emotional over the thing that they're trying to not be emotional over drinking. Um, just that's that's just you know low hanging fruit on the analogy you just provided there. Yeah, I guess how I how I see it too is. Uh that like a ritual is it kind of like it, it's i guess it, it in a sense is a habit almost that like you purposefully do that that manipulates your state of mind um and this is like relates pretty well to the meditation example like when you like do something where you get into a meditative state the next states like i guess i would imagine that your consciousness is just like fluctuating through different states of like what it's considering and coming out of a meditative state can then affect what types of mental states you continue on to and i would assume that it's kind of like it dissipates probably like throughout the day um that's that's been my experience um and so then you could you can kind of put positive spins on your on what you're going to be engaging in 
by like kind of making a habit out of it. Here, so oh, go ahead. I say here's a question: When is when is a ritual not a tradition, and when is a tradition not a ritual? Um, I would say rituals are are things that are. I think I think I, I don't know what the exact definition is, but maybe I got it has it. something to do with the frequency. The frequency. Oh, how regularly something happens. So, uh, so something can be a ritual, and maybe if you partake in that ritual, it's a tradition. Okay. Okay. Just one time. They could be mutually exclusive. Yeah. What's you the well? Then, then, then that vague, that's the question of what's the number. What's what's the number um, of times something goes from ritual? No, I'm, to... I'm I'm willing to drop what I said earlier about the the, the number of frequency. Like that's fair. Like traditionally, I I could I guess I could say ritually, uh, I ritually meditate in the morning, or I traditionally meditate in the morning. <laughs> sounds, okay, and here here I got it. It sounds so dumb like, to me. So listen, all so listen, all. Let's see. Um, I would say a tradition is you know is a ritual that you do. Uh, the reason you do it is because it's been done in the past. And I would say all traditions are rituals, but not all rituals are traditions. Like, uh, if, if the motive of you okay. doing it is is not solely, like, just because we've always done it, then I would I would say that's less of a tradition. Okay, so okay. So to springboard on that, then, so tradition traditions are done because, well, that's just because they're done. That's how we've been doing it. Yeah. That's the way it's been done. That's, that's how you do it this time of year or whatever. More as a ritual has a purpose. And typically, there's a ritual. Yeah, and I you there, there's a debate to be had if like if it's like if the only reason you do it is because we've done we've always done it that's the reason or if it just if the fact is we've always done it that is also a tradition. And then what duration makes it what dura- how long ago does it need to have been happening if it to be it or is it the intent like I'm starting a new tradition is something that's being said so like yeah. if you're intending to repeat it then it's yeah or okay example like I celebrate Christmas but not because I'm religious by any means just it's tradition I don't know that's what you do at that time of year fuck it I don't know get it's how you fit in yeah it's how you, fit you get in. a tree you put some lights up you put some shit underneath the tree you Merry Christmas I don't know happy holidays <laughs> fuck it why <laughs> why is there a tree in the living room <laughs> Uh, do you want to talk about Christmas? You can go there. Where I can going go there. there. Uh, uh, you, have you heard Terrence McKenna talk about Christmas, Victoria? I have not. I don't think I have. No? Okay. If I, if I did, I haven't. I haven't. Give, us the, oh, give us the spark notes. Alright, so the idea is this. Uh, you'll have to look it up. Uh, Joe, can you look up the name of the red mushroom that's in Skyrim? Something. Yeah, exactly. Look it up real quick for me while I while I spin this tale. <laughs> um, so, have you got? So, this is how Terrence McKenna recommends someone does uh, a dose of psilocybin mushrooms. So, um, the 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 effective dose of of psilocybin is three and a half grams, but his assertion to have a DMT like. Um, sort of experience is to have at least seven to ten grams of of psilocybin mushrooms which is a lot a lot yeah okay it is a lot um so and he also recommends 
um, to to do the opposite of what I normally like to do. I like to sit down and experience music and such. He recommends to sit quietly in a dark room and just sleep <laughs> and to have a sort of DMT sort of experience. And his the experience that he shares is that he goes, uh, you know, typical things to see the chrysanthemum, you know, the lots of uh, uh, lots of lights and colors in the sort of kaleidoscope sort of patterns followed by a, a, a trip through a, a tunnel and a breaking through sensation into some sort of otherworldly place that is fractal and colorful and beyond words. And um, he has an interaction with uh, beings, these tiny machine elves is what he compares them to. And uh, they they come up to him um, and they 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 start singing to him in a different type of language, a language that creates these shifting, warping um, shapes and like almost like jewels and like a, a trippy, trippy Christmas ornament sort of like looking thing and they like sing it into existence. And when you when looking at it, he was, it was a communication of a an incredible idea of something that could exist but was almost impossible. These brilliant sort of gift to like humanity. They were singing these beautiful gifts to people, um, and they were saying, "You can do this too. Sing and create these gifts." And um, and so that's that's the that's the the experience that he that that he's he shared. And did you find the name of the the the, the, sh- the mushrooms? Flya manita. They're these red spotted, white white and red spotted mushrooms, and they're typically uh, they grow on dung of some sort of bovine sort of creature, and. Uh, uh, people find these mushrooms and they've been eating them for a while so they've so the, the crazy assertion is that the, these these sort of DMT experiences that they're very these hallucinations are very um, very consistent and so for if people have been so the, the point that's in, the whole reason I had you look up the fly modia is that that is a psychotropic um, mushroom. It has, you know, psilocybin in it. And so, conceivably, people have been eating that mushroom for a while, looking at this red and white uh, mushroom and having this very similar experience of having these little elves telling them to make gifts. <laughs> and so, and, and often these re- reindeer are found eating uh, these uh, mushrooms as well. <laughs> That's an interesting connection of dots. 
Yeah. I was I was always told that uh, Saint Joseph or what was his name Saint uh, Saint Nick Saint Nick, Nick. Nick yeah I thought Saint Nicholas was like the one who was like putting stuff in people's shoes wasn't that the thing <laughs> Oh That's I don't know I was about told. putting people stuff in people's shoes I have no idea about that <laughs> Come on kids put your shoes out in the hallway I'm not too familiar with that um, but I am <laughs> more familiar with Terrence McKenna and it's a it's a trippy idea right that. Uh, Christmas was was brought into the world because of a of a DMT like psilocybin mushroom trip. What, do you know about Saturnalia? Yeah, I'd say that was, that, that's how I yeah. like how I know. I don't know exactly my first order of how I learned about you know Christmas and shit, but that's at least how I know like how it at least for me how it first came about was that yeah Saturnalia the uh, you know just celebration end of the year shit. I don't know. You, you probably know more about me, but or more about it than me. But yeah. So the the idea is that um, man, there's a, there's a lot of like there's a lot of like coinciding stories about the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one. So the idea is that the this pagan holiday Saturnalia was you know hijacked, and um, man, the the the. <laughs> the assertion is that man pagans have been using psychedelics for for a long long time mm-hmm. um, like in Greece and before then even the, the the assertion was that even the wine that they drink or the claim excuse me is that the wine that they drank was when uncut it was psychedelic that they used to have to cut it with water to be able to drink it without it you know, going into an extremely, you know, without hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. So I know um, they got a, I know Christmas got a lot of the elements from Saturnalia, so I don't know if, like, where the elf, like, concept of elves came in or, like, gift giving. I do know, I think they focus on that time of year because um, it's like, I think there's, they're, like, kind of worshiping the winter solstice. Like, when the, there's, like, a, vi- they could visually see that the, or tell that the, the days were getting longer. They were yeah. no longer receding. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, the, the day that, like, the sun no longer moved one degree, like, this way, and it moved one degree the yeah. other way, which meant yeah. the days had, yeah, essentially, it was the uh, the solstice or whatever, but... So they were celebrating that, yeah. And so, like, if, hey, if those communities were, were eating some fungus and that's what told them to focus on elves, like, that could be the case. It's probably <laughs> also a wild guess, but... And, and so there are also other connections to that, um, the ritual of like uh, from from Mesopotamia, from the king uh, every year having to go around and tell the priests of why he has not been a good king that year and what he could do better. Um, that is uh, another thing that happens, a celebration of, of the end of the year. You know, that's like connected to like New Year's resolution. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, yeah. And. The, the, the abandoning of, of the old. I mean, it, it, it always comes back to you know growing and becoming better, and the abandoning of you know the old self and coming into a new self, becoming a better version of of you every year. And so that that also kind of goes on at the end of the year. Um, but going back to to so to talking about rituals 
it, I, what I think what it kind of speaks to is it speaks to like mindfulness and setting a tone for yourself. Right. So I, I see, yeah, like we were kind of like moving about our day and like what we prefer is kind of like a, is an ever changing concept. Right. And like, there's a part of us that knows like long term, like preferring these things are better but like I, I still wouldn't say like that's what you prefer like you are kind of if you want to you kind of have to set your definition of you but if it's like the totality of of what you're thinking you know it's you so you're kind of like change like you're, the idea of what you want and, and stuff can like change throughout the day having rituals can can act like a can like bring forth a certain concept a certain way that you'd prefer to think and it can the and it can like flex it, kind of like, it can build it like a muscle, right? So it can strengthen like certain ways uh, of thinking. Correct. I I do think that rituals operate in different modes and strengthen different things, it, it, like in terms of mindfulness and uh, perhaps in discipline and uh, humility. There are there are different things that. Or, Depends or on the ritual. Peace. Right? It, it, it correct. You it, could have it, some crazy rituals, man. Yeah, not yeah. all positive. Yeah, not all of them are exactly. fun and fun and roses. I think the so the 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 big like the ultimate. Let's 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 think about like a a, a ritual like human sacrifice. That that's a ritual, right? Yeah. So, what sort of what sort of action would you have to be undertaking to to feel as if that that is necessary to appease the gods to set the, to, to, to set to like set a tone we need we what? need to appease the gods and we need to make sure the crops go grow good this year <laughs> and it's too so rainy it's, yeah <laughs> too rainy it's all about the culture around you kind of right so it's like I, I guess I would say that. What's that? I think it's a quote from Men in Black that uh, a person is smart, but people are dumb. <laughs> and so, like a, a culture could really like, like that's why I feel like right and wrong are are kind of like subject to culture. It's kind of just like a collective under. It's like a majority collective understanding of uh, the outcome of certain things, right? So like. Think about communism. Like, there's a pretty strong collective culture declaration that you know, com- like that communist is a is a bad thing, right? Um, and I, I, I could see a culture. I'm sure there has been where the there the the narrative that they've that they share of you know de- deities appreciating sacrifices. You know, like it's so it's not necessarily what action you need to, that what action is worthy enough. It's more of like. How strong is the culture convincing you that this needs to that this is what actually leads to something else? So I I um, I think um, I think I might be not communicating what I want to communicate. Um, so let's 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 think about let's think about the the part of the. The part of this ritual that is important is the, like the sacrifice part, um, and the idea is that let's say you can sacrifice many different things, right? 
You can sacrifice goats. Drinking. Or you drinking. can sacrifice you know, Fa- fasting is a common one. Um if you want to uh, become a doctor. If your if your goal is to be a neurosurgeon, you have to make lots of sacrifices. You have to give up a potential potential lifestyles or certain lifestyles that you can't have yeah. if mm-hmm. you want to be a neurosurgeon. That's that's a, that's a sacrifice, and you can not make the proper sacrifice. Does that make sense? You said you can't make the proper sacrifice? Yeah, there are instances where you don't make the proper sacrifice. Oh, yeah. You can see that happening, right? Yeah, you can just, like, something... You didn't train hard enough or whatever. Yeah, you didn't study, and so you're the punishment for that, for not... You know, you went out and just partied with your bros, and so the punishment for that, for living that lifestyle and not sacrificing to, to the lifestyle you wanted to go down is you fail your class or whatever, and then that costs you a fuckload of money. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, in order to be specialized in anything, you kind of have to narrow your pathway some pl- in different places, right? Mm-hmm. And th- that's just kind of like failing to do that. And so, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use some extremely metaphorical language, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, so the fu- the be- the ability to perceive the future and to negotiate with it in a way using your mind to come to make things that you decide you want to have happen come into be into being is is an almost magical thing the fact that we can that we can do that is is godlike we can create a future that we want if the the sacrifice is uh Correct. If it's, you know, satisfactory. Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. If you want to change your lifestyle or make a life a life change, you know, and, and you adhere to the the sacrifices necessary, you take all the correct steps. You, not to say you didn't take any wrong steps, but at least all the steps you did take were correct enough to get you there. Um, you you can create that um, that future or that, that self-actualized... Um, image of yourself that you imagined or that was only a, a future fantasy yeah so I'd add one more dimension to that it's it's like the concept of working smarter too and not and not harder so it's it's not just like the potency of like a sacrifice is a one-dimensional kind of value it's more of like there are smarter ways of doing it. it's kind of like climbing skill curves and it's not always clear like climbing a skill curve is a very abstract kind of concept because what it really is is like mastering a bunch of micro skills and a lot of these things aren't necessarily things that we consider we just like do them and sometimes we do consider them those are all those are all sacrifices like you're you're deciding to do that instead of something else that is the okay if we were to only ever do something that is 100% pleasurable all the time like you know we life does not look the way it does now we won't don't have society you know we right. we put in proper sacrifices and we decide to do other things that aren't fun so that we can make bigger better things yeah or okay here's a here's a quote for you when when grown or it's i can't remember the first part of it but when grown men plant dates because the 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 
um, the time it takes for a date tree to grow fruit is like 80 to 90 years. So if a, a grown man is planting dates, that's something he'll never, ever get to, he'll never get to taste the fruits of his labors there. And he's choosing to spend his time garden, you know, planting a fruit that he'll never get to partake in. Yeah, yeah. Versus, versus going to partake in fruits of people who have planted before him. Not bearing the fruits of your labor. See, I, um, what, what were you, what are you trying to speak to, to when you say that? Um, just kind of comparing the example to that. What, what, give me, tell me the example again in my brain so I can compare it myself. Um, when you have grown men planting, uh, dates. No, not that, not, not, what what were you contrasting to that, too? I, I can't, I, I wasn't really contrasting, I was more just, like, comparing the, a similar quote. To what you were saying? I don't. Well, what I was, I, what was I said before that. Too. What was I saying? Was <laughs> yeah, I was trying no. to say. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, when we were just we were talking about sacrificing and like, um, we didn't just oh t- how we got here now is wasn't just from uh, doing what we like want instinctively to do. just want to do. Yeah, we've put sacrifice in. That makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. But then Victor kind of took another level of just like, all right, well, some there are some people that make sacrifices even more. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, correct. for yeah, others, people who, they don't. And that's that that contributes to sorry. And then we linked it back together. That contributes to their statement to your statement on how we do function as a society and how this is all possible. We have people who plant fruits that they will never eat. And and so also sometimes. Sometimes the sacrifice that we have to make is sometimes the things that we love and sometimes the things that we love the most. Mm-hmm. And that that extreme example is is the uh, the Isaac and Abraham where like where God tells him to uh, kill to sacrifice his son. And so uh the example, the the, the the significant part of the the significant thing to draw from that is that to have the for the, for the future you foresee, sometimes you have to give up the thing that you love the most, you know, and that's dramatized in a metaphor of a man having to ki- kill his son to you know appease the gods, in you know, and that means attain obtain the wanted yeah. future mm-hmm. so I guess I I don't I don't think I run into that obstacle too much because I I, I mean, kind have of, you it, ever broken up with someone before yeah 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 so like that that's kind of what I mean like definitely have you ever having to leave the house you know having to get a new job sometimes uh, those are having to give up uh, uh, video games or, you know, something that you have to do in, in maybe in a time of need, you know? Yeah, definitely. In, in, like, what's also happening, I guess, at the same time is that, like, not blindly following your, like, your own individual ignorant opinion of how you should be. Like, I try to avoid, like, putting a bunch of shoulds on... And myself and other people as well, but at the same time, like what you're saying is, is true. Like I think both things are kind of like in play. 
So like if, if someone was telling me to kill my son, I if or like that's something that you should be questioning. Like there I wouldn't there's not like an absolute like this is how things should be that you should subscribe to. I don't I don't think that that's the pertinent thing to look at. I think that is a metaphor to describe the thing I was talking about. I I don't think I don't I don't even think that the people who wrote it uh, meant what it says. I think they meant what I was saying. And I do think that the population has taken it literally unfortunate. Right. So like it works as a, a dramatized metaphor but not as an analogy. Like it's like an, an analogy is required to to take something to this extreme and see if it's still true and I, I think it's a poor analogy but a, like a good metaphor. Does that make sense? Um I, I think it is a poetic description of the words that I said. I think, I think, no, for, I think I used, I think I, I used rationality to come to that phrase. And the per, the persons who wrote that used poetry to write that phrase. Because, you know, rationalism is not a it's, excuse me, it's, I was going to say it's not ancient. It's a very, very recent occurrence. You know, people haven't thought scientifically forever. You know, that's that's a very recent development in human history. Yeah. And so to, to give the people who wrote that, those things, credence, and to, to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are just equally as smart as a human as I am to try to give them the, the proper context and to read it in the right way. Just the, the fact that there you have to make sacrifices to... I mean, I, I would say like it's it probably... The, the people that lived in that time were more involved with making heavy sacrifices, I think, than, than probably we are. We're kind of like living. We're like a very baby culture. Wait, if we want, if we want to compare the two, yeah, we live a very luxurious lifestyle. But so I, I'm, I'm surprised we actually came, were able to come to the conclusions that they, that they were able to, you know. I don't because I think because d- leisure is definitely one of those things that um, leads to that to 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 be- to more and better thought and more yeah. provocative thought. Leisure definitely helps with that. So the more leisure you get, the better thought you get, or you can get. Not to say, like, it's not a one-for-one. One. <laughs> right, right. You, you have to develop your safety before you can build some schools, right? Yeah. I do think that being a human was pretty much the same thing, though. Like, the human experience has always been the same. Like, being a human. Um and being subjected to stimuli has always generally been the same. What the stimuli is is different, but we still nonetheless almost pretty ubiquitously respond the same, unless you're extremely neurotypical or... Yeah, but evolutionarily there hasn't been like any significant changes um, physically or even mentally between us, between people for thousands of years. Right, right. So, I have, I have, I have to confess. Like, I do. It's impossible for anyone to know exactly what it's like to be inside the shoes of another person. 
but I like to operate under the assumption that we're all pretty similar. And that, uh, you know, one of my favorite thoughts is that I am you and you are me. And the, the consciousness that is inside of me, uh, the way that it experiences the world around me and whatnot tells me what to say and tells me the thoughts to think. I think that thing is exactly the same in everyone else. And operating as if that is true really makes a lot of things make sense to me. That perspective allows allows me to navigate the world in, in, in a better way. I, I operate as if it's true, even though there's no way for me to fundamentally know that it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, essentially, yeah. like if you could, if you could grab another person and you could somehow put them in your life and watch your life unfold from another like secret laboratory point of view, you would still end up the exact same person you are you know, at the time freeze moment that you watched your life happen with another person, you would still be the same person. Like you, there'd be a way to create, it would be a, a really complex and an overly convoluted, convoluted way to create a clone other than looks. Yeah. So you're describing like everyone's got, I mean, kind of like everyone's got, there's a common denominator that people have. And then what the, the difference is then kind of the culture environment is can just drastically shaping. That's how, that's how we fool each other that we're not exactly the same. So like when I look at someone else, it's like looking at myself that was inside of a different environment. Yeah. And that's how it turned out. Turns out. Mm-hmm. Subjected to different genetics and subjected to different environments. Yeah. Those, those are the two main differences really. Uh, effectively. Um, I, I, I don't know that, but walking around the world with that notion like I said helps me navigate the world better and it helps me understand the world better um, and it helps it also brings me to some really sad conclusions but you know the world's not a pretty place all the time yeah like if it is true that we're all the like pretty much the same one consciousness and we're just all in different bodies all around the world and slightly different varied because of genetics and environment if that's true then the, what we're seeing in the world is I mean I th- I'd like to say most like I I want the world to be a better place and I'm try I try to do that you know and if that's true I would imagine like most of the world is doing that too and this is what it looks like. It's like stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. <laughs> you know. Well, but the but the issue is, is that I I I know me. <laughs> yeah. And and I see some of the, the 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 atrocities out in the world, and I instead of thinking of like how can that either be evil in the world, I try to ration like what would have to happen to me to get me to behave like that and be okay with it you know yeah and like and and then you know also just determine like well Some how crazy how environments that, how exactly crazy environments and crazy pressures and then you know well how well would that version of me sleep you know right and so it's also like if you want to think of like 
the public or the world wishing the world was better if you want to assume most people like think that way um, and despite that we kind of have what we have is if you want to re relate that to a scale down of just like the cognitive dissonance you have like just in your own self like you know you should do your homework but you're gonna you're gonna go out with your friends instead right <laughs> yeah um, and so that kind of that kind of can be scaled in and out i think yeah that's true like, well we want to fix the world but you know game of thrones is on <laughs> yeah um but it, i think it's also like a, it's kind of a growing i would it's almost i even say like empathy is kind of like a, a muscle that's been growing throughout generations or within culture um and so like we've we finally kind of got the, the ability to have empathy for your countrymen like patriotism has like a, a, a pretty strong value especially like at its birth um, it was just like one step of the way and some people are some people are able to extend their empathy to uh, to a global scale or have even a lot of practice doing that and i just think a lot of people don't have that um, and as our culture progresses as cultures continue to like commingle um, that's kind of like empathy muscle and culture will continue to grow and um, the the changes that we that that need to happen will, will eventually you know take place and i think we'll be better better for it yeah, and I also think um, we're we're more in a time where being empathetic is more beneficial um, versus not. Whereas in if we look back in, in history, you can kind of see that like empathy didn't help you so much. I mean, sure, you know, again with the with the goggles of history in history books, you can see well if you just agreed here, you wouldn't have gotten into this fight or this war here. But there are other times where empathy just because it was. It was just a more hostile environment, a more hostile world, you know, 100 years, 1,000 yep. years, you know, however far you want to go back. It was a more hostile environment, and so empathy didn't get you as far. It was either, hey, you you blew it, you, you know, goodbye, you're out, gone, don't care about you. Yeah. Um, you, you can know, never be too confident about your family's safety. You exactly. Know? Extra effort should be, be put there, you know. Yeah, and so that's where I, I think, like, it's, it's growing, that's one of the things that's contributing contributing to it growing or allowing it to grow and that was constricting it from doing so previously is the time we live in now yeah um so kind of getting back to to rituals the idea of taking the time to do this thing to to set a tone is about or setting a tone, setting a precedent, setting a vibration that's there so that when you, if you act out unknown or deeper things, that vibration is present as well. Does that make sense? Uh, you losing me with the word vibration. Yeah, I'm kind of lost. So, um... An emergent property of your state of mind. Like, kind of like... Your mindset is the way I think. So okay, so here's here's a here's an example. There's, let's say you uh, you can you can go every you can go a long time without having to think about your internal contradictions and the, the things that you're trying not to think about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you can make an attempt to to stay mindful. But because, you know, we're humans, there are times, let's say you make a, 
an attempt to, to be disciplined and to stay mindfulness and to be cognizant of these are the things that I'm disproportionately participating in time in or I'm not balanced in this way. You can think about that, you know, but if you think about it once a month or, you know, one day out of the year, it doesn't really do anything. But if you decide to like maybe keep a journal or uh, to have some good habits to uh, excuse me uh, to maybe uh, to like pray to be that those are things that like allow you to be mindfulness to to bring up that issue or another one is like with death that is a is something that that sort of pain doesn't that grief doesn't really leave you and perhaps the the lighting of of, a, of an incense is a is a a reminder of how to properly grieve you know the dead and to to accept you know the loss and to to be a reminder of that you know and to be in the right space yeah it allows you to schedule a state of mind correct exactly and that 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 state of mind that you have can can linger in the background or in the subconscious. It'll ripple out, right? No, like throughout the day. Correct in the background of, of your day, even though you're even though you're you're consciously paying attention to something else. Yes, subtly. Correct. It's it's a subtle reminder in the back it's like it's the same reason people put affirmations on their mirrors you know to remind them that they matter so like the more the more you think about something the, the more likely you are to think about it in the future and so like if you've recently thought in a certain way because you're not necessarily totally in control of your brain right so as soon as you're like not purposefully con- like controlling where your mind is going it will go somewhere and it's more likely to return to like a ritual or a, um, I think in this example, yeah, like a ritual you've done in early, earlier in the day um, for brief moments of time, kind of restoring the impact that it's, that it could originally had on you. Yeah, that's way better said. Yeah, so I, I think it's really beneficial to like schedule micro rituals. Like if you, if there's certain things in your life you're trying to, you know, um, face head on. Is to like, and you know, at this time I I sit down, you know, with with no other stimulus, and I purpose I purposefully think about gratitude, you know, and so that if I if I do that, hopefully, I can you know, um, not taking things for granted will be um, more prevalent in my life, kind of thing, right? And you could schedule different kind of things that do different things like that. So, have you ever heard of a memory contest? A memory I forgot. Victoria, have you ever heard of a memory contest? I maybe, probably not, but maybe he did, but he forgot. Exactly. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> it's a joke. Like, you go you didn't laugh at my joke the first I time. I know, laugh at my again. joke. I know. Please, I'm desperate. <laughs> so, uh, there are there are there are competitions that you can have to for 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 memory and they you know remember lists and 
of oh, yeah. increasing complex, you know, order of shapes, like dots. Yeah, just I, I don't know exactly what the um, the actual things that they practice memorizing. I just know that people compete and that there are exercises that people partake in to increase their memory. And part of it is like adding the more connections there are to a thought, the more likely it is for you to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what Joe was saying earlier, your brain is uh, neurons will fire down more strongly connected pathways. And so if there are more pathways connecting to the specific thing that you have determined you want to remember, then it increases the likeliness of it being remembered. So if you want to remember, you know, you know, Steve followed by John, you remember that Steve is a fluffy strawberry flamingo Steve, strawberry fluffy, you know, flamingo Steve, strawberry fluffy flamingo Steve. And then John is a uh, blackberry burn John, blackberry burn John, blackberry burn John. And then fluffy flamingo Steve, fluffy flamingo, you know, because it has that increased number of things it's more likely for you to remember yeah you've attached a larger picture to it i think how in the bbc sherlock holmes um he was describing how his like memory worked as he had everything in a house i think that's how it's it's one exercise that some people do is they put everything in their house all their memories are in are connected to a thing in their like in their place um you know you know, like i have my shelf full of stuff and each each thing here starts with a letter, and then I just associate a memory with, or memory things I want to remember, to letters with associated with the stuff. And then, because I can easily picture, you know, the layout of my house or my shelf and all my things, it's easier for me to assign a memory to that, and then remember things based off of that. It, that again, that's how that's how Sherlock was explaining. Like, that's that's brilliant. That's exactly more. Because he's more likely to remember the house, and he's more likely to remember what's on the shelf, and he's more likely to remember those things, and then, bam, it triggers. Exactly, yeah. You just put put a thought inside your house, essentially. And then you walk to it. Yep. Um, So, that is also a benefit to a ritual. If you're, that's how one ritual can look one way from person to person even though they're doing the same thing so it is an increased number of neural pathways to a particular way of thinking or a particular thought that a person would like to think and I think that is part of the effect uh, or the function of a of a uh, of a ritual, and then I th- I think um, the concept of a habit is closely related to everything we like talked about intentional habits at least you know that's fair yeah it's not it's not quite either of those it's not quite a ritual it's not quite a um oh, what was the other thing what is it um tradition tradition thank you yeah it's not quite a ritual it's not quite a tradition but it's it's a habit. Well, why do you do it? Because oh, this is what I do. Yeah, but what if you, like, intentionally... Like, brushing your teeth is, like, an intentional habit, right? Yeah. 
No, I think that's a that's a discipline that you partake in. It's a ritual. It's a routine. Yeah, okay, but, so I um, guess, but, but, but routines could be habits. Like, how automatic does it happen? I guess. How deliberate do you like? What's the required deliberation to engage in it? I think is the different. I think. I think they could overlap. Maybe that's a difference. Do you agree? No. I think habits are developed and are like your ritual could become a habit because like you've done it you've done it for so long and then so now it's kind of just like without consciously like starting it like it's just part of you know after you eat lunch you go outside at to this bench and then you you know do whatever i view i view habits as like almost as on there's like a uh, a sort of agency a sense of agency that's been removed like like people don't do habits on purpose people do hobbies on purpose you create a habit on purpose but you create it so you then can do it without doing it on purpose yeah like i i purposely put um like keys and wallet in very specific places that's that's an intentional habit that i like even when you're not de- thinking about it yeah yeah but like i consciously decide to do that so that way it's ingrained to a point where i don't have to think about it anymore it becomes an unconscious habit i mean okay i guess i would i would no can that be a ritual as well just just using what i was saying earlier uh if i was to continue using the words i was using i guess i would have said that's like disciplining yourself as opposed to like you can say either way you know that's a, a good hab- habit i'm developing and i'm developing discipline right you wouldn't say that rituals do the same thing you're developing discipline for a certain state of mind yeah, I would say, yeah, that's also disciplining yourself. I mean, but I think part of being disciplined is deciding what things you want to be mindful of. And in order to do that, you do ritual. Yeah. I'd say you'd have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined in order to do most rituals. Correct. But you don't have to be disciplined in order to do most uh, habits. Right. I would say most habits are developed, um, negative habits are developed without discipline. Yes, but I, I want to also consider positive habits. Um, Correct. And I would, I, I would almost like to use a different word because it, in my mind, habit has a negative connotation, even though I'm aware you can use it. But typically when you say you have to, you have to like say good habit, you know, I guess. Depends on who you're around, I guess. Yeah, I think that, but I think that's a cult, that's a culture thing where like that it's it's the word itself is being misconstrued by the negativity, right. like oft most commonly associated with it. Whereas when when you take the the word in its actuality, it just means what it means. It's just something you just do. Or again, we're yeah. not we're trying to right. define the word, but I don't think the negative connotation is part of the word itself. Correct. I, I, I totally agree, and that's what I was saying. Like, I almost want to have another word, even though, like, I know it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. It's just like collo- colloquially, like the overlapping that rituals and habits ha- have probably probably may be limited to, to like good habits or like things that you've deliberately habits you've deliberately built for positive reasons. I would think I'd say like that. I would say of, those are rituals. Is exactly. What I would say. Exactly. So you're oh, claiming okay. that all positive, like deliberate habits are, are rituals. That's that's the point I was trying to make. I think okay. we're in agreement. 
Yeah, but okay, but then but then if we're if we're small scaling it like that, then I would say it stops becoming a ritual the second or the when you stop consciously trying to do it and you just start unconsciously doing it, then it becomes more of a habit. Because we said earlier that a rit- it loses the ritual tag. Do it. Like, oh, I'm I'm not really meditating. Really, I'm just doing it out of habit. I'm just like sitting here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that, then it's not a ritual anymore. Then it's become a habit again. Yeah, or like like going back to my my phone and, or, and wallet and keys and all that. Like it was a, you know I ritual ritualistically put them in certain places in order to then habitually not even think about where I put them, but so that I always put them in those places. <laughs> you see is what it I a mean? Ritual? Yeah, like I it made a it a ritual to always do that and consciously think about it and make sure I saw that it got put there and it was placed there and it was there. So that way, eventually, I no longer had to do that. It just became a natural function. Habit. And I would say it's not a ritual anymore. Correct. You, you're no longer participating in some sort of mindful reminder. I would say the ritual has been accomplished to the nth degree. It has, it, it ha- it has accomplished the goal. It has... The ritual has been successful. <laughs> it has made your brain default to the decided neural pathway you have want you've designated yeah that's fair is it a ritual that i'll smoke a bowl with my coffee in the morning (laughs) i mean it it might be a habit depends on why you do it i like it it's all about intention bro yeah yeah and it all but it also depends on how like you are um, ex- like both internally and externally if you don't have that as well. Like it makes me think creatively and it makes me like work hard, I guess. Like if you were to take yourself, you know, if you were to somehow grade yourself with a score, you know, a super in-depth scoring system, both externally and internally, um, after you've had your, you know, your morning ritual and then af- and then when you didn't get to have your morning ritual, if you were still the same, like, the same thing the same person rough you know give or take yeah then i think that would depend on you know what it is because if you get grumpy and angry and irritable and you don't like people and you just you just hate everything if you didn't get your morning ritual then uh, maybe maybe it is a bit more of a, a ritual of it's a thing you need it's a thing it's something that's more consuming do do rituals have to have they don't necessarily have to have positive effects do they uh, nah. Nah. Um, I'm thinking, like, um, let's say, kind of bringing it back slightly, if you, you can do things habitually, and you can do things with intention. I think that's what really separates the, the two things that we're kind of talking about. What would you, does that sound right? Yep. But you yep. can intend to develop a habit. Yes. But even but when when things are actually happening, you you there's no intention behind it. There's just happening. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I'm saying is like say you want to build a habit to run, you know, every day. At first it's it, at first it's going to require a lot of intention to like go running for those first like 2 weeks. After like okay. a month there's less intention will probably like will be required to be something right because it's kind of it's moved more farther over to the habit zone you know 
Yeah, mm-hmm. true. I, and I think that was kind of speaking back to what Victor said. I think that the ritual has been accomplished. You know, you you've decided that this is something that you want to do, and you're going to do it, and until it becomes a part of you, you know, okay. falls in place. So it's almost like now we we've kind of we're kind of contradicting like what was said earlier was. Uh... Like it sounds like under that new definition that traditions and rituals can, like, can no longer be that can no longer occupy the same space. Is there is there more distinction now that we've talked that out? Well, no. That's 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 only that's only assuming that the ritual was completed. If a, if a ritual even has an end state or a completed state to begin with, which would be like changing your ha- your own personal habits to ritualistically change them. That's an that's a ritual with an end goal. Okay, so the end goal isn't always deliberation. Like a ritual of putting up a tree is like different. Yeah, the ritual of <laughs> dunking babies into water doesn't have an end goal really. That's going to keep on going until the idea fizzles out. But what if it's just a habit at this point? Oh, if it's a baby, dump it. <laughs> that's kind of where we're at, right? <laughs> he just got an old guy who sees any baby and he just dunks them into the nearest water. It's just a habit for him. Bro, <laughs> hurry, cut his dick. <laughs> hurry. <laughs> we got another one. Get, Dunk the, that get baby. the water ready. Okay, going back to uh, what you were saying, Joe, like how uh, a tradition. Um, and if it, if you can do it without, we were, we were kind of calling traditions like rituals that you decide to take on, right? Is what we kind of said, right? Yes. And so you can do it with the, with the intended, it, with the intended impact to occur, which is what makes it a ritual. And then if you just do it emptily, it just becomes a habit. Right, right, right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Alright. Victor, any any yep. any convo you wanna have? Um any statements you wanna make about what I said? tell me how fucking wrong I am <laughs> no I think we did you know a pretty good job of kind of sussing out the difference between rituals and traditions and hobbies and habits I think we did a pretty good job we got you know we didn't get too specific and we didn't make I, I don't know we did alright you guys want to talk about dunking babies in water dunking babies in water the world's on I mean, the whole idea of baptism is, you know, exactly what I was saying earlier, you know. You want, you want to talk about dangerous knowledge? Huh? Sorry. You want to talk dangerous, about dangerous, dangerous knowledge? Dangerous knowledge. Um, like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, information. Information uh, hazards. Hazards, yeah. Yeah, where knowing it, knowing the information is is hazardous, or like having the thought, or having had, had thought the thought, means you can't unthink the thought. 
yeah, and so that in and of itself is dangerous. So the idea is that you could have like uh, a sort of psych. You could have some sort of uh, episode of psychosis uh, because the thought is like a infinite loop that 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 can't become that can't you can't come out of that you can't escape almost. Yeah. Or <clears throat> here's another one. It's it's called if you're ready for it. If you're ready for dangerous is this knowledge. A hazard? Is it? Yes, this is a thought hazard. What did I sign up for? Do you really want to record information hazards and spread them out into... It's on YouTube with over 5 million views. I'm totally confident. Oh, yeah. I, I We're going to add I five more. Exactly. Ethical, ethical decision right now to subject our listeners to information <laughs> that could... They can make the, change they can make the decision to continue listening... I already have it. I'm asking you two if you want it. Bear my burden. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's fine. Can you... How how bad would you be if you forever changed me because what you said deeply freaked me out and I couldn't think about it and I just obsessed? How bad that would, would you feel? Uh, I'd feel a little bit bad, but I've also been <laughs> in a state similar to that. So, like, I uh, I'd feel like, hopefully you come out of it. Hopefully, hopefully you do. I'm confident enough you'd hide it well. Yeah. <laughs> you'd function right. well enough. Okay, so the idea is Roscoe's Basilisk. Or Basilisk. Um, and I'm going to butcher it a bit, but I'll hopefully get the entire idea across. Um, but essentially, so in the future, um, we're gonna humans are going to create an AI, right? Just the idea that humans are going to create an AI. And... Um, not the first AI, just at some point an AI, and at some point we will ask this AI to optimize, to make things better. This world that we live in, make it better. Let's do that. Um, shouldn't be hard. You're an AI. You can think, you know, tri you're an advanced AI that can think trillions and trillions of times faster and is capable of factoring all the things. So please optimize all of this for us. Um, and one of the things it decides to do as the optimizer is to delete or get rid of anyone who didn't want it to come into existence in the first place or didn't contribute to towards its existence in the first place. Is it a misalignment of the definition of better? Um, well, again, we're talking to the optimizer now. This is an AI we're deciding, you know, for just to give it a name, it's the optimizer. This thing, we're giving it control to, to make things better. How do we make things better? Yeah, but like there, there needs to be like a, we need to know what better is, right? Well, like better, okay, better standard of living so that people live, live better. Everyone has more money. Everyone has all the things they want, you know. So right. that way, everyone it, is in an increased a, quality of life. Like, yes, but like we should um, at least be smart enough to like, if we're gonna create an algorithm that complicated, we should also be able to create a little line in there that says, without dramatically reducing our population. Uh, yeah, but then how over how long? What's yeah, what's exactly. dramatically reduced? See, again, we're talking to a computer here. Yeah, so it does kind of present a paradox, huh? It yeah, it's a that's why it's a, a thought hazard. Is just just having it is like if you don't help, if you don't want it to exist, and you don't contribute towards its existence in any way, you could be slated to being optimized. <laughs> optimized. Optimize, and that could just mean being killed, which would which would in this scenario be the most idealistic uh, situation. 
because again, this is an AI that can think trillions and trillions of times faster and has, you know, all the information on a human body. It could torture you for thousands of years inside your own head in the span of a couple minutes. That's some Genjutsu type stuff, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's similar to Alan Watts tells a story of he was invited to some world conference about AI or about uh, how we should, if we can, once we can control genes, like what what should we choose for? And Alan Watts is just like, how can us unperfect, you know, people even begin to know what like the the best kind of person to perfect person to create right like if we just made it up now and just like we had a million like 20 million saints running around ellen was like it'd be a pretty boring place <laughs> like we would just yeah. wouldn't know what because we have the ignorance we can't you know um, even describe the beyond yeah it's a it's a hazard especially ai will be a big hazard there'll be some there'll oh, be some yeah. challenges that could have global well that will have global impacts for sure Oh yeah, no. AI is going. AI, the development of AI is definitely going to be in the forefront of taking leaps and hurdles of moral and ethical decisions and dilemmas that haven't been, haven't needed to be been brought up, brought up for years or since ever. Like specifically, you know, like Rosk, like the Basilisk there, um, or when you have AI that. Or when you have a, let's say we have like in the iRobot situation where you have a robot that is capable of helping people and, and automate, uh, it's self automated in some way. And, but it has to make a decision on who lives and who dies in this situation because it physically can only save one thing, one living being at this time, at this moment. Who does it save? Right. Well, people that are developing cars, like automatic cars, are making those decisions right now. Yeah. Which is Dude, nutty shit. Just calculate, you know, the value of human life. It could find itself in a position <laughs> where there will be a death, but how can I minimize them? And should I take yeah. should I take a perceived age or like other per- potentially perceived information from the individuals to make that choice? Who has the right to make those choices? Type of challenges. Yeah. No. And see, that's where like I like I like to think that you know I could hide behind or you know hide behind the idea of like. Well, if we just use enough numbers, we'll figure out, you know, the correct answers. If we have all of the numbers on things, we'll, f- we'll know what the correct answer is and who we should save in that situation. However, comma, that's that's also a very slippery slope to, um, what is it? Um, I was just following orders. Yeah. If we, if, you know, by just using the numbers or to just, you know, well, it was the law that was the law makes it legal so therefore you know doing these atrocities to people can't be wrong because the numbers agree with it and so that's where it's like ah it's a it's a slippery slope to that so well what kinds of people are going to qualify for this program well if your score is this you know click mm-hmm. below to subscribe <laughs> um, the one subject I've been wanting to think about a little bit and talk about is I, mean, I don't know much about it, but I'm interested in just like how an ant colony works, or just how how organisms that kind of dedicate themselves to a larger collective more intensely than humans do, right? Like, because our our experience is like we dedicate things to like the wider, the bigger whole, but like we're still like selfish creatures and and very egoistic creatures. Well, um, we're individuals. 
but it's the concept mm-hmm. of like herd thinking and, and how that wh- where that's been where that's take been taken to extremes in the animal kingdom is is something I'd like to explore. Like the the acquisition and uh, the maximizing of resources up for the organism, like that flies and that's like one of like the basic tenets of evolution. And right. like the whole existence of a colony kind of like flies in the face of that. Right. And so it's like kind of seems like like really hard embedded instincts almost, right? I I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really... Uh... But like, even, let's even think about it like in, in the human perspective of just like if you've ever been to a sports game just like the, the herd mentality that takes place at a sports game is like interesting and it's like fun to participate in even, right? And it's just like <laughs> like have you ever been yeah, to a sports it, game it where fun. you just like, like are like you know raging with like positive and and booze as well like with the silliest of like actual reality that's happening like someone yeah. trips oh, yeah. over or a like, ball you know <laughs> like the wave is a great example of that like nobody actually, nobody ever fucking does that outside of a stadium pretty much right but that's one of those mob mentality things. You see a group of people stand up and sit down with their arms doing the thing. Fucking everybody starts doing it now. Yeah, within the right, even cultural circumstances, like there can be, we can become more. I don't know if agreeable is the right word, but just more willing to replicate what's happening around us. Um, and I think when thinking through those things with with humans, it helps to like think about how do I'm, I'm sure there's good examples in the bird. In the, in the bird branch of life too and uh, other animals that like move in herds I mean like fucking animals share I mean like it's not um, it's not like only ants share but um, typically the idea you don't think ants is like a really good example um, so the the example ants works when it comes to different colonies Right. Um, that it, it, then the evolution still makes sense, you know. And then when uh, sharing works, like within a pride, but then it makes sense when the lions don't share with the hyenas, you know. Right. Um, because it perpetuates their existence. That makes sense. Correct. And it is only so large they, they're their capacity to understand the reward for um, the giving up instant gratification for uh, a delayed reward isn't so complex and dynamic as, as ours but it's present you know yeah I mean, you know, some chimpanzees share and they they reinforce, you know, behaviors that uh, contribute. You know, they'll uh, share food with those who help on the hunt and stuff and they won't share with those who don't help. And, you know, there there is all that present. But um, there actually have been instances of colonies of ants co-mingling not co-mingling but coexisting 
in inside the same like built structures, like really close to each other. Yeah, um, in in near proximity, in with within the proximity where other ants have been observed to fight each other. Okay, but still segregated as colonies. Segregated as separate colonies, but um, still um, allow tolerate each other's existence and um, like almost even share with them. Yeah, I I, I vaguely remember that from uh, a systems class, but. Because we were, I just remember that just that one interesting, interesting bit that they had found instances of multiple colonies um, working together. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty, that's pretty cool though. I forget exactly what the effect. Like there was an, I forget what the advantage of having multiple ants colonies around was, but there was a some benefit that became apparent from having allowing them to exist there and if they weren't there then it would have meant death for that colony oh okay I, I, I can't remember what it was like a different type of prey they were able to take on or something I don't I don't know exactly what it was mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I can't tell you most interesting podcast ever. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I think in other places in the animal kingdom, like they probably use herd mentality as a way of communication almost. I can imagine just like the animals that the, uh, the bovines or the, the sheep even, uh, the herbivores that are kind of like pack animals, deer, right? Trying to not be eaten by predators. And there's, there could be like 200 of them in a field and not everyone needs to see the threat to know that they need to run this way. Yeah. Right? And so the, the, the herd's able to mobilize quicker. Um, an idea has been communicated through through action and it's just something they've, they've done through generations. I've always I've always um, marveled at the the fact that, like, when something happens in, like, an ant nest, like, the ants stop what they're doing, and then they address it, and then they go back. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't bicker and fight over what the what the best solution of what to do is. They just go and they, yep. they go they and handle they, it. They handle it. <laughs> Creeper gets in your Minecraft base, right? Or explodes already, right? You need to put your current project on pause and put your walls back together. Exactly. You don't. You don't. You don't create a committee. Yeah. Say like as if it, if it was left to politics, they'd create a committee of people who should deal with the uh, the creeper. And by the time <laughs> they came to even a, close to a decision, it would have already exploded. Yeah. We need inspectors, and we need inspectors for inspectors. Yeah, we need someone to train the person who's going to kill the thing. It's like, wait, what? 